It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? FFSOSS.com. At FFSOSS. Twitter.tv slash AJ Nicoletti. What's good? Hopefully, you had a great weekend. Uh, if you're in the Northeast like I am, the weather hopefully has turned. We've had some uh, garbanzo weekends, but this last weekend into early this week has been outstanding. So hopefully you got out there, did something, did something you like, had some passions. I don't know what you did. Maybe you just sat inside and watched sports and you had a great weekend. Whatever. Whatever you did. It was hopefully you had a nice weekend. That's what I'm wishing. And, and uh, we'll talk about things that happened over the weekend uh, at the end of the last week as well on this pod. But in the kickoff segment, we're going to do a deep dive on the Champions League semifinals with a in-depth look at the first legs coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. So we'll do that in the kickoff, then a weekend soccer recap, um, NFL headlines, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, golf at the end of the pot. So a uh, heavy footy early on. Some NFL stuff with some contract stuff and some quotes we got to touch on and uh, some updates on the hockey playoffs and the basketball playoffs and then golf at the end of the pod as we get closer and closer to our second major of the golf season. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend is the PGA Championship. So uh, very exciting, very exciting stuff. So a uh, big, big calendar of events coming up. I know it was Derby Saturday and it was a good race, but I just have not paid attention. I was not ready to go. Um, and I honestly like from the, it was the 12th race on Saturday. Yeah, it was the 12th from the 11th to the 12th is like an hour and a half. And it's just a lot of nothing on the TV broadcast, which I'm not knocking NBC. Uh, I mean, they've been doing it this way for 20 years now. It seems like with the big buildup, uh, from the last race to the Derby, which I, I understand makes sense because it is the fastest two minutes, best two minutes in, in sports, as they say, but. Uh, it was a good race. Good race. I didn't know much about the horses or anything going in, which is very unlikely because I do love the Derby. But uh, I don't think I was doing anything for the Derby, so I didn't I didn't have any uh, wagering units in my TVG. So maybe if I had some <laughs> units in my TVG, I would have uh, cared a little bit more. But it was a great race. It was a great race. So Preakness in two weeks, uh, same as the PGA Championship. And also... I believe that's – no, Championship Sunday is the following weekend. Is Championship Sunday on Memorial Day – let me look this up. This is called live producing, folks. Memorial Day USA 2023 is what day? Monday, May 20th. So it's – oh, my God. Championship Sunday into – on Memorial Day weekend. So it's a clash of cultures there um, <laughs> with – NBW being a very uh, Americanized holiday, uh, in remembrance of those who gave their lives and sacrifice for our country, as we know, and Championship Sunday, which is the uh, deciding day in the prep for so many, so many things. So that'll be really exciting. So we got two weekends from now, Preakness and PGA Championship. Weekend after that is... Championship Sunday of the Prem, right smack in the middle of MDW there. Then... FA Cup final the following Saturday, which is City United. And then the Saturday after that will be Champions League final, 
which we got a great run of weekends coming up here, folks. That's for sure. So, um, and also Mother's Day coming up, which is also very important, as we know. All right. Uh, so Champions League semifinal preview at the top. Weekend soccer recap, NFL headlines, soccer, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, and golf at the end of the program. All right. Kick it off. Champions League semifinals. First legs coming up this week. Second legs next week. We got some big, big matchups in these semifinals. Real Madrid and Man City uh, meeting again in this competition in a knockout stage. Madrid, the 14-time champions, looking to get another crowning achievement in this competition. Go back-to-back Man City, trying to get back to the final for the second time and make that second time the charm for their first Champions League. And then the other semifinal, an all-Italian clash. And not only an all-Italian clash, an all-Milan clash. AC Milan, Inter Milan. Two legs at the San Siro over, what, eight days here where, no, six days because they're playing on Wednesday. They'll play Wednesday, Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. Milan's going to be on fire for a week, okay? So get ready for that. The Nirazzurri and the Rossoneri going at it in the San Siro over two legs. It's going to be very, very exciting. So AC Milan, the seven-time champions, most recent run in the finals. Uh, they went in 05. They lost to Liverpool after a 3-0 lead at halftime, but they, then they beat Liverpool in 07, so they got a little vengeance there. Into Milan, the three-time champions haven't been to the final since 09-10 with the special one. Awesome semifinal setup. So much star power. Let's dive into the Real Madrid-Man City uh, matchup first. Previous meetings in the 2012-2013 uh, campaign, they met in the group stage. Real Madrid won at home 3-2, and there was a draw at the Etihad 1-1. 15-16 semis. 0-0 first leg. Real won the second leg 1-0 to advance to the final. 19-20 round of 16. Man City win 2-1 first leg away win, and then a 2-1 win when they were the home side in that second leg put them into the quarterfinal eventually went to that final and then last year city went 4-3 at home first leg but real madrid turn around in the second leg not only turn around but they do it in stoppage time in dramatic fashion they force extra time with a 2-1 normal time score and then went on to win it in the extra frame 6-5 on aggregate they advance so the path to the semifinals here real madrid was first in Group F. They beat Liverpool in the round of 16. In that first leg, they were down 2-0 very early on at Anfield with the place rocking, and then they just scored five and really put that tie to bed even in the first leg, even after going down 2-0. So an outstanding uh, show of perseverance there. Then they knocked off Chelsea in the quarterfinal with twin 2-0 uh, results. Man City was first in Group G. They bashed Red Bull Leipzig in the round of 16 and then eliminated Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. So Real Madrid team news. Militao is suspended on yellow card accumulation and the left back Mendy is out with a calf injury. So the Real Madrid 11 chilled like this. Couture between the post. Carvajal, Rudiger, Alba, and then Camavinga in that left back role that he has uh, somehow suited him so well because he's just... a Pure midfielder, middle-of-the-park kind of player. And to play left back, you know, it's one thing to have a left foot, but to play left back is a little difficult. So give him credit for morphing into that role for Ancelotti. In the midfield, Modric, Cruz, Valverde, uh, especially with Camavinga 
at left back. Maybe Choameni gets in the midfield, but I doubt it. I think if Modric is fit, he plays. If Cruz is fit, he's played. If Valverde plays, or is fit, he's played. And then Valverde in the midfield allows you to put Rodrigo up front, but you have to put Rodrigo up front anyway with Benzema and Vinicius Jr. because Rodrigo is in excellent form. He's been scoring goals left and right for this Real Madrid team. So that front three has to be Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. surrounding Benzema up top. So uh, the 4-3-3 for Ancelotti as expected now for the Man City team news. And here's the big question. Uh, Nathan Ake, doubtful with the calf injury. So Kyle Walker has shown and Pep has shown that he's going to pick Kyle Walker to fill in for Ake in that role. So if Ake is out, it'll be Ederson, Walker, Diaz, Akanji. And if Ake's in, it'll be Ake, Diaz, Akanji, as you know. Stone's in the little two-man deeper midfield with Rotary and then the big line across. Uh, Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Gunawan, Grealish, and then Holland in front of them. So uh, pseudo three, two, four, one, I guess you could call it, right? So that most likely being the city team. Yes, Mares has played better and had some good minutes and good showings, but I still think you play um, Bernardo Silva. You trust him a little bit more um, in the big game. And with that, we go into tactics and we talk about Pep's new system and new formation because I think this maybe is Pep protecting himself from himself by developing this system kind of in the middle of the season and making other teams adjust to him. He therefore doesn't have to overthink the big game because he's already done his new little strategy and it works like he's not, he hasn't thought of a new thing and debuted it in a semifinal against Madrid. You know what I mean? He's taken some time and developed this and implemented it and put it into practice, you know, over the last, what, four, five, you know, five, six weeks here, month and a half, maybe two, three, two and a half months now, it seems like. So I we've often talked, especially on the show, I've talked about it a lot. When Pep gets in the big game, he overthinks it. In a big final, in a big semifinal, in a big contest in the Premier League, we've seen Pep overthink it, overplay his hand, overplay his team, and it ended up hurting them. Here, he's already done the overthinking, and it seems to have worked. So unless he just reverts back to the 4-3-3 or reverts back to an older system or a different system in this moment, th that, would not be that would be him overthinking, right? That would be him reverting back to his old ways. But now he has the system, he has the formation, he has the players that are down to play this style that he's kind of created on the run here in the middle of the season, in the middle of the campaign between them in four different, five different competitions, whatever you want to call it. He, you know, his knock or a knock I've had of him, and not just myself, obviously, but the big game he overmanages. He overthinks. He changes too much. He tinkers too much. He doesn't let the game plan be the game plan. He doesn't let his play. He has to. He has to come up with a, a bigger, a, a better plan in that moment. Whatever, right? He's done it already. So we'll see this time around if he sticks to this plan, and he has done all of his thinking. Now, this Rodrigo 
Benzema Vinicius attack against the City defense. Yes, theoretically, City are still playing four true defenders um, in Walker or Ake, in Akanji, in Stones, in Ruben Diaz. Yes, they are still playing traditional four defenders at least, right? But Stones has a little bit of a different role. He's not just part of a back four. He's in front of the back three. And there, it's not like Bernardo Silva and Grealish play as wingbacks. Yes, they defend, but they're almost still midfielders or wingers instead of maybe a wing back that has license to go forward but also has those big defensive duties and roles, right? I'm not saying that Silva and Grealish don't defend. That's not my point, but they're not they're not part of a five at the back if you built this as a five three two or a five two three. Like they're not the wing backs if the, that was the formation kind of a thing is my point. So how how do you defend in those moments with the against a Rodrigo in the pace of him, a Vinicius in the pace of him. They're both brave on the outside. They both can take over and, and and drive at defenders and make them make a mistake. And then Benzema, who, how many different finishes does this guy have in his locker uh, with either foot, with his head? I mean, he's made unbelievable headers, goals. He's made deflections, his goal. You know what I mean? Like, he's a... Goal scorers, goal scorers. He's a striker, striker. And the city defense, yes, it is. Again, four true defenders. It's not a fourth of back necessarily. But city defending as a team, their press has been a lot of their defense. When they have Holland in the free roll where he can run and press, and then they have a wall of four. And then that wall of four could even become a wall of five or six if you drop Rodri or Stones in there as well. And then you're kind of like just a line across the pitch and you're daring them to try to break the line with a through ball or go over the top. And then that's why you have a Walker, a Kanji, a Diaz, an Ake, those guys who are, you know, fast and athletic and can catch up. So I, this system is going to be put under pressure by Vinicius, by Rodrigo, by Benzema because we haven't seen City. Yes, Bayern Munich has a great attack, that's for sure. But City kind of took it to them before they could even get their head on straight in that in that uh, in that leg, that first leg, in my opinion. So I'll say this. I think the city defense, it's not just the four guys that are defenders on the team, on the pitch. Everybody's got to defend and do their part against those three guys. Because if you get into a counterattack situation where Vinicius is running at Ruben Diaz, and I think Ruben Diaz is a hell of a defender. He's one of the best defenders in the world. But still, if you have a ton of space and Vinicius is running at you, I don't care if you have prime Van Dyke, you're going to be worried about it. I don't care if you have prime Rio Ferdinand, you're going to be worried about it. I don't care if you have prime Pulo, you're going to be worried about it. Okay? So, those guys running at City Defense, that's a concern for me. Benzema always makes the right run and the right movement. 
Rodrigo has just continued to score and score and score and be a bigger player in a bigger moment. And Vinicius has really, really embraced coming into this Real Madrid side. Now, when you flip it to the other attack, we've seen Holland and De Bruyne play this link-up play. Look at the Arsenal game. Look at some of the other games where they've had counterattacks. They've been under pressure. Pressure gets relieved. Holland knocks it down to De Bruyne. De Bruyne plays Holland over the top, walk-in goal, right? Or ball comes out. De Bruyne just sends Holland up the middle on the on that kind of through ball run, breaks the lines, right? So Holland and De Bruyne, the link-up play in the middle of the park when the ball's in transition or maybe just kind of off set pieces, off second phases when it gets kicked out. That's something I'm going to keep an eye on as well. And then between the two attacks, we just talked about them, but which attack takes their chances? You know, in these big, big matches with these big, big clubs and these big, big moments, which striker is brave enough? Which striker has um, the ability to nail the fundamentals and give their team a big goal in this two-legged tie, right? So we've seen Holland bottle some chances, but we've also seen him score a million goals this season, right? Um Benzema, Vinicius, Rodrigo, we've also seen them have some big chances, but they've also scored a bunch of goals. Which attack takes the chances? Which attack puts the pressure on the other team with goals? Because I do believe there are going to be goals in both legs here. I just think the attacking talent is too good on both sides, and I do believe that even though the Real Madrid defense has been solid enough, you know, they, they did a really good job against Liverpool after Liverpool scored those first two goals. They did an excellent job against the Chelsea side, who's been absolutely woeful, as we know. But Real Madrid's defense hasn't been as tested as they will be against City. And City's defense, under this new system and new style of Pep, hasn't been tested like they're going to be tested on Tuesday and the following Wednesday when they take on Real Madrid. So I think it's an interesting battle, obviously, in the midfield. How many performances does Cruz and Modric have left in them? How many times can they keep going to the well and Modric playing brilliant passes and, and commanding the middle of the park and Cruz stepping in at the right time and being a set-piece special? How many performances do those guys have left in them? I'm curious to see, but I presume they have a couple more left in them. Uh, they just Modric is going to sign a new contract, and Cruz signed one as well. So they're not going anywhere in Madrid for a little bit, and they should be ready in this game as well. So the midfield, of course, is interesting. Um, but I think the attacks versus each side's defense is really, really intriguing because Holland is the great equalizer right now. He can score almost anywhere. He gets the ball. He is a machine. He has brilliant control. He's a brilliant weak foot. He's almost taller than everybody. Like he does so much. So he's an equalizer for sure, but the other guy on the other side, you know, with all the talk of Lewandowski and Ronaldo and Holland and Mbappe and all these guys, right? The Benzema guy, all he does is put the ball in the back of the net. All that guy does is win trophies. For a club that has kind of, 
I don't want to say has always been looking to replace him. That's rude. That's not fair to say. That's not right of me to say that. But for a long time there, I think Madrid was looking for a number nine. And they didn't realize that they had one in this guy. And he's shown it. He's shown it. That's for sure. So, going to be awesome, awesome two legs in that series, in that matchup. Now, we go to Italy. And specifically Milan. Where AC Milan and Inter Milan, previous meetings in this competition, AC Milan advanced in both. 0-2-0-3, semifinals. Nil-nil first leg, second leg 1-1. It was an away game for AC Milan, therefore they went through on road goals. And then the 0-4-0-5 quarterfinal, AC Milan won 2-0 their home leg, and then won 3-0 in the away leg when Inter was the host. So, path to semifinals, AC Milan second in Group E. One goal saw them through against Tottenham in the round of 16 when they only had to win 1-0. And then it was... They only scored two in the quarterfinal versus Napoli, but again, that was enough for them to advance with a win and then a draw. Inter Milan out of the tough group C in second. Uh, Barcelona went down to Europa. Bayern stayed up into the following knockout round. Round of 16 for Inter. They played Porto. They also only needed one goal to advance. And then they knocked out another Portuguese side in the quarterfinal in Benfica. AC Milan team news, and it is big news. Rafael Leao is doubtful with a thigh knock. That will really, really hurt the AC Milan attack. Um, Mannion will be the keeper. Calabria, Tamori, Kyer, and Teo Hernandez will be back four. Tonali and Kruzic in that kind of double pivot. And then Benesur. Sally Makers will probably come in for layout, if it would be my guess. And then Brahimi Diaz in his usual role. And then Giroud will be up front for AC Milan, in my opinion. Inter Milan team news. Skinner is going to be out with a back injury. And he's kind of on his way to PSG, if I'm not mistaken, already in the summer. Goosens is doubtful. D'Ambrosio is also doubtful. Goosens with a shoulder. D'Ambrosio has a thigh injury. Team news here for the selection. Brozovic or Kalangalu in the midfield, and then Lukaku or Zeko in attack. It'll be Onana in between the posts. Darmian, Aserbi, and Bastoni most likely the back three. Dumfries and DeMarco will be the wing backs. And then Barella and Mikatarian will probably be in the team, but it will be Brozovic or Kalangalu, and most likely that will be the first sub either way, depending on who plays. And then is it Zeko or Lukaku up front? Has Lukaku done enough to earn himself a start? How's his fitness level? All that kind of stuff. Antonio Martinez, we know, will be there. But will it be Zeko or will it be Lukaku? And it's going to be tactics-wise for me. This will be more cagey than Madrid and, and uh, Man City. This is a, we know a derby. We know a big rivalry. But it's also to kind of get back in the map in Italian football. Yes, AC Milan won the league last year. And Serie A means a ton. The Scudetto means a ton. But with AC Milan, their competition is Champions League. Inter also has a little bit of history with Champions League. Um, most recently with Mourinho, obviously. 
So I think there's not going to be as open play as the other semifinal. I think the first leg especially is going to be very cagey. I wouldn't be shocked nil-nil. I really wouldn't be shocked nil-nil. And at, you know, at halftime of this comp at this level, nil-nil in the first leg, going into a second leg that will just any goal turns it on its head kind of a thing because they got rid of road goals, as we know. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be cagey. I think there's going to be some challenges left in. I think the referee is going to have to do a really good job uh, with the bookings, especially with the second leg only you know, less than a week away after this first leg gets played. I think AC Milan might be the better side, but this layout injury would concern me if Lukaku plays a big game and plays a big 90 minutes, Inter can absolutely win and go forward. So I think the AC Milan side is more of a team, whereas the Inter side is some individuals playing a team sport together. But they play it very well. you got to give them credit. So if you said AJ Gunter who goes through the final, AC Milan does. AC Milan does. All right, we can talk a recap. Brighton Man U, this was from last Thursday. Brighton went 1-0. It was a stoppage time. McAllister PK after Brighton were harassing De Gea's net and Man United. A ball came in, goes off Luke Shaw's hand. Looked innocuous at the time. Didn't look like it came off a hand with so many bodies around jumping for the ball, but it was all handball. And McAllister beats De Gea, gives Brighton a big three points in their quest for a European place and hurts Man U and lets Liverpool back in, that's for sure. Bournemouth, Chelsea on the weekend. Chelsea went a 3-1. Hey, Chelsea can score. Gallagher opened it up. Uh, Vina actually leveled it for Bournemouth, but then Badadashi had the go-ahead goal for Chelsea, and Jao Felix got Chelsea some insurance. Man City leads. City went at 2-1. Gunawan brace. Then he, City earned a penalty at 2-0. Holland gave it to Gunawan for his hat trick, but it hits the post. So Pep Guardiola immediately screaming at Holland, that's your penalty, you have to take it. Erling, you have to take it. Yeah, when it's 4-0, he said after the match, and we're in the 80th minute, it's 4-0. Yeah, you can give away the penalty then, not 2-0. Not 2-0 when we're fighting for the Premier League. You don't give away that penalty. So uh, Rodrigo actually brought one back with five plus to play in normal time, but then Leeds did not get an equalizer as, as Arsenal, you know, was rooting hard for that. But Man City went to one. Tottenham Crystal Palace. Harry Kane header just before halftime, if I'm not mistaken, gave Tottenham the 1-0 victory. Wolves beat Villa 1-0 on a Toti goal. Liverpool beat Brentford 1-0 on a Mohamed Salah goal. And it was the 100th clean sheet for Alison Becker at, his, uh, at Liverpool. So that was cool. Newcastle-Arsenal, big, big matchup here. Arsenal needed it. We know Newcastle's still fighting for top four and should have it, but that would have... Probably solidified it, if I'm not mistaken. But Arsenal went to 2-0. Odegaard, nice captain's goal, and then an own goal made it 2. West Ham, Man U. West Ham went at 1-0. So, Man U, two games in Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, two games in four days there. They lost both of them. They lost both of them 1-0. A Ben Rama goal, and it was an absolute holler from David De Gea. Inexcusable. Have to save it. And he didn't. It was a very, very poor job from the... Spanish number one 
and Man U number one. Matches on Monday were out of control. A lot of relegation sides, and they were going for it. Fulham beat Leicester City 5-3. Willian opened up the scoring. Vinicius got a second for Fulham. Carney, the captain, got two, so it was 4-0 at one point. Barnes brought one back. Vardy, penalty, got saved by Leno. Willian got his brace. Madison, Penn, and then Barnes again, so 5-3 is how that one finished. So a bad loss for Leicester City. Uh, then Brighton, Everton. Everton went to 5-1. Dracore inside the first minute. Then he got a second. McNeil scored Everton's third. There was an own goal in there, so McNeil got their fourth. Uh, apologies. McAllister brought one back for Brighton, but then McNeil for his brace at the end of the match. Everton 5-1 out of the drop zone, and as was Nottingham Forest, who beat Southampton 4-3. Awanani brace. Alcaraz made it 2-1 Forest. Gibbs White made it 3-1 Forest. Lianco brought them within another uh, one goal again. But Danilo made it 4-2. But a Penn Ward-Prowse made it 4-3. But Southampton could not get an equalizer even with... Uh, they played about 10 extra minutes. And Southampton still fell short. So... As we look at the table, at the top, it's still Man City with the game at hand with 82 points. Arsenal have 81 points. The race for top four got a hell of a lot more interesting. Liverpool in fifth with 62 points. They played 35 games. Newcastle in third, 65 points. They played 34 games. Man U, 34 games, 63 points. So Liverpool are a game ahead on the stand on the schedule, but a point behind in the uh, race and at the bottom. Southampton twenty four and twentieth, Leeds with thirty and nineteenth, Leicester with thirty and eighteenth, Everton just out of the drop zone with thirty two, Nottingham Forest and sixteenth with thirty three. It looks like West Ham and well Bournemouth should be safe, but West Ham should definitely be safe with thirty seven. Well, they need a couple more results, to be fair. Let's just say that. So, All right. Uh, in Spain, it was only Copa del Rey and Real Madrid win it. They beat Osana 2-1. Rodrigo opened the scoring. Toro equalizer. Rodrigo winner for his brace. Syria, Udinese, Napoli. Napoli 1-1. They clinched the Scudetto. AC Milan 2-0. Benacer and Teo Hernandez. What a goal from Teo Hernandez. Outstanding if you haven't seen that one. Maybe Lazio 2-0. Roma, Inter. Inter went to 2-0. DeMarco and Lukaku, the goal scorers there. Atalanta, Juventus. Juventus went to 2-0. Lahovic, goal scorer. Napoli, Florentina. Napoli 1-0. Usman Penn. And it was absolute scenes at the Maradona in Naples. Over to the Bundesliga now for their weekend results. Augsburg, Union Berlin. Augsburg went at 1-0. So Union Berlin could still finish top four, but... Freeburg Rebel, Leipzig Rebel, Leipzig 1-1-0. Bremen and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich had a 2-0 lead, but nearly blew it. It finished 2-1. Gnabry and Leroy Sané, the goal scorers there. And then Dortmund, Wolfsburg. Dortmund went at 6-0. Adiemi, Haller, Malin, Bellingham. Adiemi for his brace. Bellingham for his brace. Dortmund one point behind, trailing Bayern Munich. 31 games played each, 65 points to 64 in the Bundesliga. Ligun, Troyes, and PSG. PSG went a 3-1. Mbappe, Vitinha, and Fabio Ruiz, the goal scorers. Messi released a video apology to the club, to the fans, to his teammates about the Saudi Arabia 
trip when he missed training, and PSG in return kept the fine but lessened the suspension, so he's going to be at training. It was only a week's suspension, not two weeks, so he has not played his last game in a PSG kit, apparently. All right, NFL headlines. Jim Ursay tweets about Andrew Luck's contract and that if teams reach out to him, it's tampering. And apparently that team was the Washington Commanders. So seems like Ursay is going to try to get a draft pick, which, hey, do your thing. That's how you got to do it. More Colts news. GM Chris Ballard said, quote, he didn't want Richardson to be a superstar somewhere else. End quote. That's why Richardson is now in Indianapolis Colt, the quarterback from Florida. Bears offensive coordinator uh, says that Fields is, quote, light years ahead of this time last year. Well, I hope so, dude. Like, what are we talking about? Play basically a full season. I hope he's light years ahead. Robert Sala says that Rogers' wish list is a silly narrative. So, I, hey, dude, get ready to answer more and more questions like this. I just hope you're ready. And also, apparently, he told Mackay Becton that he's got to earn the left tackle position, and they're not just going to give it to him, which I guess is good, but they've also had a million injuries on the offensive line last year. So if you have a healthy guy in Mackay Becton, maybe just you know let him be left tackle. I don't know. That would just be my thought. That's Jets news. How about the G-Men? Giants and Dexter Lawrence reach a 4-for-90 extension, and then he comes out and says Saquon Barkley's extension is next. So there you go. He's, he's decided that Saquon Barkley is next. And then Andy Reid, some more offensive line news. He says Donovan Smith's going to be the left tackle, and Taylor, who they got from the Jags, is going to be the right tackle for the Chiefs going forward as they rebuild their offensive line with a bunch of other guys leaving and retiring. All right, so they got playoffs in the East Florida, Toronto. What a series this has become because the Panthers took game two to open up that 2-0 lead coming home. And then all they do is win game three in overtime to take a commanding 3-0 lead. And in sunrise, in game four, they could sweep the Maple Leafs and the eighth seed, theoretically. I know they're the four or whatever, fine, in their little bracket. Um, but they played the Bruins, and the Bruins are the best team, so therefore, they're the eight seed. Um, they have a three games to none lead over Toronto in the second round, so Toronto finally gets out of the first round, and here they are, lost the two games on home ice, then lost the game in overtime, and now are trailing 3-0 in the series. Devils, Canes, Canes jumped out on the Devils in games one and games two, they had that 2-0 series lead. Devils win game three in emphatic fashion. They score the first four goals. They end up winning 8-4. So the Devils, not, I want to say, back in the series yet. But we do have a series. We didn't have one before. In the West, Seattle and Dallas. Stars win game two to even the series before heading to Seattle where the Kraken win game three. Courtesy of a five-goal second period. What a showing from the Seattle Kraken in their first uh, home playoff game in the second round. And then we have Edmonton and Vegas. Vegas won game one, but the Oilers went big. Uh, the answer with a big game two for that early split. Game three going on as I record this bad boy. Uh, it's 1-1 in the first period. I try to get on the Knicks score next because we're going to the NBA playoffs now. And Heat-Knicks. Heat win game three to take a 2-1 lead. So they're in game four. Um, in Miami right now as I record this. That's a foul on Brunson on Love. He took a little kind of corner three, and Brunson 
got his non-shooting arm going by. That's I don't know if he left it out there, but heat up five in the third quarter here as we look at it. So Knicks got to even out the series and make it a best of three. If they don't, they're in certain trouble. And again, they're the eight seed as well, Miami. So the I know Sunrise isn't in Miami technically, but you know they are Southern Florida's hockey team. Besides Tampa, I guess Tampa's a little north, right? Tampa, Orlando, north. Anyway. Central Florida, I guess. Miami's the South. Fine. All right. Um, but, yeah, Heat trying to make it 3-1. Knicks trying to make it 2-2. Celtics Sixers. Seas win game two in Boston, and then win game three in Philly. They took the 2-1 series lead there, but the Sixers win game four in overtime to even the series back up at two apiece. That's a fun series. In the West, Lakers-Warriors. Warriors win game two, even the series before it hangs to L.A. where the Lakers won Game three and took a 2-1 lead in that series. Nuggets, Suns. Suns win game three and they win game four to even the series to a piece. Some shot making in that series between Jokic and Booker and Kevin Durant, of course. Booker is like 42 of like 50 from the field or something crazy. In this, like what the hell? Or his last 50. Some, something crazy, which is like... You could give an open pro guy that many shots. And I don't think he's making all of them like that. So, outstanding basketball in that series between Devin Booker and really Jokic. And I saw that the Suns owner held the ball and Jokic grabbed the ball and kind of gave him a little love shove and he flopped all. Listen, everybody's got to calm down at these games, these fans. No one's there for you. You want to heckle, that's fine. Don't cross the line. You can be respectful still. But we're getting really, really close to some bad incidents that's happened. I'm just telling you that right now. You know, even last year and the year before, prior when we were still coming out of the pandy and people had been, hadn't been going to games in a long time, people forgot how to act. We're still seeing some of that. You know, it's really scary. It really is. And I get that he's the owner, but, dude, what are you doing holding the ball? Like, no, I'm not giving it to you. Dude, give him the ball. Why are you going to mess with him? I don't know. So, that kind of weirded me out, to be honest. I didn't like that at all. I don't blame Jokic one bit. He doesn't know who the guy is. It doesn't matter that he's the owner. You don't act like that. You don't just hold the ball. Like, that's so weird. That's so weird to me. I don't know. All right. Golf. We had a elevated event with the Wells Fargo. Spieth missed the cut and didn't play well, and he hurt his wrist apparently. So that's not boding well for his uh, chance at a PGA. And the uh, career grand slam for him. Rory's going for the career, career grand slam. Augusta Jordan needs the PGA for his career grand slam. Um, after winning an Open, after winning the Masters, as we know, and he won a U.S. Open because Dustin choked on the 72nd. And Jordan didn't. Anyway, uh, this Wells Fargo. Wyndham Clark won it, who's been a good player, but it's his first win on tour. Hey, win an elevated event. That's pretty awesome. So congratulations to him. And again, as I mentioned earlier in the program, 
one more tournament, then our next major. So Byron Nelson next week in Texas, and then we will have the PGA Championship in Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, which is a uh, iconic venue in the golf world, as we know. So very exciting time in sports with uh, NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs. I wish I was able to do more about the Derby. Hopefully we'll do more about the Preakness uh, coming up. And then hopefully um, the horse wins the Preakness and we can talk about Belmont having some juice because that's always fun when the Derby winner wins the Preakness and we got a Triple Crown opportunity at Belmont. So we'll do more horses, I'm sure. Uh, I'll read more and more about it. I promise that. But I want to do a full footy deep dive into Champions League preview of uh, the semifinals. So we did that. So enjoy the matches on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll have a full recap and then a big weekend preview with top four race, relegation battle, even City Arsenal still fighting it out for the Prem. So I will talk to you on Thursday. Until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.